anyway. I once heard someone tell me, I am not speaking of me, but speaking of themselves. I am the most humble person I know. Do you hear the irony in that? When you have to brag about humility, um, humility is a, is a hard thing, and even more difficult than humility is sometimes pride. I, I think pride is insidious. When we are trying our best not to be prideful, it seems like we're actually exhibiting pride. And I'm of the belief that pride was Satan's downfall. He wanted the glory that belonged to God alone. He thought he could do better. He had pride in himself. Not a healthy pride that says, I played soccer well and I get to wear this award. That's, that you, you deserve uh, thanks. You deserve the reward for that. But the person who says, I'm the best thing since sliced bread which always makes me wonder what was the best thing before sliced bread. But anyway, that's a whole other sermon. Um, but pride was evident in Satan's heart. Pride was evident in the hearts of Adam and Eve as they thought, we can do better for ourselves. We're going to take what it is to be God and bring it to ourselves. We're going to disobey for our benefit the very command of God. And you know how that worked out. And we have been struggling and dealing with pride ever since. Pride is a difficult thing. It's one of those seven deadly sins that God detests. We're going to talk about a little bit about pride today, but more the opposite side. We want to talk about humility. And we'll try not to do it in a prideful way. In Matthew chapter 18, we uh, pick up the journey of Jesus toward the cross and ultimately to his resurrection. Uh, we have heard, uh, if you read a little bit in front of this, we have heard uh, Peter proclaim, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And then, just a few steps later, he uh, is called Satan. Get behind me, Jesus says, because your eyes are not focused on the things of God. Your eyes are focused on your thing. It's that pride entering in again. The disciples, three of the disciples went up the Mount of Transfiguration that we looked at, and it would be very easy for them to come back down the mountain and see their other disciples and say, well, they couldn't say anything because Jesus said, don't tell anybody. So that kind of put their thumb on pride. But even though they didn't talk about what happened on the Mount of Transfiguration, as they are walking, a conversation takes place among the disciples, and that's where we pick it up in chapter 18 of Matthew. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus, and in, uh, in Luke's gospel and in Mark's gospel, it actually talks about them, that they were arguing among each other who was the greatest. At that time, Jesus, the disciples came to Jesus and said, 
Who is greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Maybe Peter had deep in his heart, well, I must be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven because I'm the one who understood who Jesus was. I said he was the Christ. And maybe Peter, James, and John thought that they would be greatest in the kingdom of heaven because, of course, they were on the mountain of transfiguration. They saw Moses and Elijah and Jesus in there and in his glory. Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And calling to himself a child, he put him in the midst, that child in the midst of them, and said, Truly, I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself like this child is greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Jesus says that if we want to be great in the kingdom of heaven, we need to become like a child. That doesn't mean that we become uh, childish, but we become childlike. And then that begs the question, what does it mean to be childlike? What is it to be, to be uh, a child? Well, there are probably a number of attributes of being a child, but Jesus answers the question for us in this passage. He says, and I'll read it again, whoever humbles himself like this child is greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Children in Jesus' day had little worth when they were children. We've, we've said, you've heard it said, and maybe you've, heard it, you've said it yourself, children are to be seen and not heard. They are kind of a necessary evil for a while till they grow up and they can produce for the family. Children were not worth much in Jesus' day. But Jesus changes all that. He says, if you want to be great in God's kingdom, you need to become like a child. And becoming like that child is to have a heart of humility. It wasn't to become innocent like a child, because those of you who have children know that they are anything but innocent. They have a sin nature, just like uh, the rest of us um, King David in Psalm 51 says, in sin I was conceived. I was a sinner from birth. So it's not about the innocence of children. It's about the humility of children. To humble ourselves before others. To think of others more highly than we think of our It's having a right attitude about ourselves. Now, being humble uh, does not bring what we call worm theology into play. You know, worm theology. When you say, I am but a worm. I am the worst thing that has ever happened. Nobody is as low as me. Your pride speaks. 
Nobody has it as bad. Nobody is as low as the ground to me. I am but a doormat for people. That's what God requires of me, for me to grovel on the ground. And nowhere in Scripture does it say that. In fact, we read in Genesis chapter 1 that you and I are... um, Progenitor father and mother, Adam and Eve, were created in the image of God, and you and I bear that image as well. We are not worms. We are not doormats. We are those who bear God's image. We are loved by God. We know the Apostle Paul tells us that... um, God expresses his love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That death which we will um, remember in a week or so is what purchased us for God. God paid the highest price possible to redeem us. We are of great worth to God. We are not worms. And yet, we are called to be humble. Humble in our relationship to each other. To realize that that our call is to lift one another up. To make sure that the other person is honored, gets the credit, is lifted up. And we show that humility by the language that we use that honors people. We show humility in the little things. I was um, raised by a father who taught me when I was very young that I was to open the door for women, especially my mom. And we would be walking toward a door, going into a store, out of a restaurant, and I can remember my dad pushing me on the back gently to say, go get the door, son. And sometimes that door was incredibly heavy but I would pull that door open and let mom walk through first. I was also taught that men were to, maybe this sounds chauvinistic today, but bear with me, men were told to walk on the uh, street side, on the curb side of the sidewalk. I guess historically that was so you would not, the woman would not get splashed when the horse and buggy went by. Well, I know horse and buggies don't go by today, but still splashing vehicles do. But there was a sense of protection. You walked on the, as a man, you walked on the side by the road and you protected the woman that you were with. And I do my best to still do that. Try to open the door for people. My dad always uh, told me to uh, speak respectfully to people. 
I was taught to use the words sir and ma'am when I was referring to somebody, when I was talking with somebody older than I am. Now I know I realize I'm catching up to old. You know, I'm going to get to the point where, you know, I become a sir, but I haven't got there yet. I'm getting there quickly. But I still use that. I still refer to to men, especially those older than I am, as sir, not as out of disrespect, but out of respect. I still try to get to the door first and open the door. All of those very small things develop humility in one's heart. You were essentially saying to the person and to the people around, that person is more important than me. By the way I speak with them, by the way I treat them, by the way I honor them. Humility. Not always an easy thing. Jesus told us to be like children. Humble. It's interesting, he goes on and he says, whoever receives one of these children, one of these humble ones, in my name receives me. Why? Because Jesus is humble. When these children exhibit humility and humbleness, they are in fact mirroring the life of Jesus. Jesus says, you receive me, but whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me, now the ESV version of the Bible says to sin, uh, the word there is really not sin, it means to stumble. Anyone who causes one of these little ones to stumble, not necessarily to uh, move toward apostasy, but stumble in their relationship with God, their understanding who Jesus is, who moves them to pride, false pride, it would be better for that person to have a huge millstone fastened around his neck and to be thrown in the depths of the sea. We have a responsibility not only to be like children, humble, but we're also called to make sure that these little ones walk well. But like I said, um, these children who are humble um, exemplify the life of Jesus. In uh, Philippians Philippians 2, we read about Jesus' humility. Um, Verse 3 of chapter 2, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others as more significant than yourselves. Let each one not look out for his own interest, but also for the interest of others. In fact, have this mind among yourselves, that's all of you, which is in Christ Jesus, who though he was in form of God, did not count equality with God something to be grasped or held on to, but he emptied himself by taking on the form of a servant Being born in the likeness of men, he was found in human form. He humbled himself. It's a volitional act. Jesus humbled himself, becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. He 
humbled ourselves. Now, it, we should read on. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name. We should say the name that he had since eternity past. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. There is that picture of humility on earth and under the earth. And every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus humbled himself. But as we read in chapter 2, it is a great uh, theological treatise. We can say this is a great hymn of faith for the early church that Jesus humbled himself to the point of death on the cross. It's kind of cerebral. We kind of pull the passage apart and say this is the great theology that God has intended for us, that Jesus was sacrificed before the foundation of the world, the scriptures tell us. And so we deal with this at this ethereal level. But Jesus didn't deal with it at an ethereal level. He really was a servant he really was a servant. He exemplified a servant, not only dying on the cross, but he lived as a servant. He said, I, your Lord and master, did not come to be served, but to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. Jesus showed his disciples what it was to serve. If you have your Bibles in, on your phone or the old paperback version, uh, turn to John chapter 13, where Jesus exemplifies for us what it is to be a servant. The scripture says that he was uh, going to meet with his disciples, were going to meet with them, and they were going to enjoy dinner together. They were going to have one of those fellowship times that uh, they often enjoyed as um, the disciples of Christ. And the scripture tells us in chapter 13 that Jesus took off his cloak and he laid it down and he uh, girded himself all about with a, uh, a towel. And he did something that was quite unthinkable. He washed the dirty feet of his disciples who wear those sandals and who scuff along all day on dirty roads. It was the lowest of the low thing to do was to wash the feet of someone. The lowest servant does that. It was an act of humbleness. Of Jesus takes on the cloak of humility. So um, I've asked um, Brother Dan Copeland to come up and help me. Dan is part of a ministry with um, CR, works with people that are um, 
have struggled with addictions. And some of those people would probably consider themselves the low of the low. Maybe the worms that we talked about. Um, those are the people we want to work with. And as Dan and his helpers do, as they are essentially washing the feet of those who come to minister to them. They serve them. And so um, I've asked Dan to come up just by way of, of example. Um, doesn't make me any better. But I think we need to see in a tangible way what Jesus did. And I want you to be aware of something that not only did Jesus humble himself, but the disciples have to, it's probably cold, but go ahead and put your foot in there. It's probably what Jesus, um, not only what Jesus did in washing their feet, but the Bible tells us, let's get the other one too, might as well get both. Um, the Bible tells us that when Jesus got to Peter, Peter said, no, not me, not me. You see, what was Peter doing at the time but exhibiting pride? He said, no, Jesus, I'm not going to let you wash my feet. You can't be down there. You can't do that. I'm not going to let it happen. To which Jesus responds, if I don't wash your feet, you have no part of me. And Peter, in his grand way, said, well, then wash the whole thing. I thought about pouring this over your head, but <laughs> I hear we do immersion baptisms. We don't do by sprinkling or whatever it happens to be. But Jesus wanted Peter to understand that there's humility on both sides. That we need to humble ourselves before Jesus, who is our servant. And when people seek to serve you, you need to receive it. I've had people tell me when I've opened the door for them, ladies to open the door for a lady, they said, no, 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 don't do that. In fact, I've had ladies tell me, uh, you're being chauvinistic. I can open my own door. There's pride. Um, we need to receive as well as we need to give. Thank you, brother. I appreciate it. Amen. So we are called to practice humility. As a child, we will uh, be first in the kingdom. But catch the irony. A true humble person who seeks to exhibit true humility does not worry about being first in the kingdom. Does not worry. We just serve because Jesus served. And we need to be conformed, as Paul says, to his image. Let's pray.
We hope you've enjoyed today's message. If you would like to know more about Bethesda Church, you can check us out on the web by going to our website, which is BethesdaMB.org. That's Bethesda, M as in Mary, B as in boy, dot org. Or check us out on Facebook by searching for Bethesda Church of Huron. Have a blessed day.